Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Fred Fuck from long distance somehow gets it to go. We can't believe it. The hat and the glasses come off. Fred Funk with the birdie at 16. I welcome into Terps on the T. Fred Funk, Chick Hernandez on a it's almost a um a, a downer it's the the week after the masters fred but first uh let me, let me not bury the lead like i have the last few weeks uh coming up uh on the show will be ted scott what bubba watson's longtime caddy he will join us they're just finished the master the t26 for bubba watson the two-time masters champ so he's going to join us here in a little bit but uh i i get a letdown after this thing is over and what a what a tournament it was fred uh the first japanese the first asian-born man to win the masters had deki matsuyama and he did it uh with some stones near at the end but uh just your overall feeling after watching four rounds at augusta i agree with you with the feeling afterwards it is kind of a downer because there's such a build-up to the masters and the masters is just a great great venue tournament atmosphere pressure everything is right there all the all the scenarios play out it always seems to create and not every really let you down i think some people including myself was really not rooting for hideki uh in the beginning and i kind of wanted to see shoffley or zelators come through but at the Mm -hmm. end i think it's so great and cool that hideki won because what he is to japan now he's he's bigger than tiger woods he's bigger than anybody that's ever come along so what that did for japan he's a rock star now for forever Uh, i think he's going to light the torch at the at the olympics i bet i I Mm -hmm. bet he does and he's a national (laughs) hero now and to come through with that kind of pressure and to play you know he had the country on his shoulders more so than anybody in that field and he had to feel it now knowing deep down that if he let that go it would have been such a depressing moment for the whole country and for him and mm-hmm. uh he came through uh, it obviously got a little exciting there on 16 until shoffley hit it in the water but we'll be talking about that i'm sure um uh, but uh, in the end i was really really happy for hideki from every i don't know him personally but everyone i have spoken to that knows him he's a great guy um i think he has a a little more personality than he shows. I think he might loosen up a little bit. Who knows? It's his culture. Uh, Who knows? You know, he had Royo mm-hmm. Ishikawa was, uh, and Shigeki Mariyama were guys that were very animated and, and fun. And, you know, they smiled a lot and they played with the crowd a lot. Hideki's all business. And uh, he's kind of more like Tiger of old. So, um, or the younger Tiger, the older Tiger, you know, however mm-hmm. you want to say that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but in the end, it was a great tournament, a great week. All right, so caddies always are expected to show up on time, and and uh, Ted Scott is already about to join the window here. Sweet. Ted Scott, Chick Hernandez, along with uh, Fred Funk, your old friend here, and I uh, just mentioning that caddies are always uh, prompt. They have to be prompt, <laughs> and you certainly are. Ted Scott joins us uh, uh, just after a week at the Masters, uh, after a T26 there for his uh, – his buddy Bubba Watson. Um, so Ted, we just talked about getting our initial feelings. Obviously, you're busy working uh, during during the week, um, but give, give me your impressions of what uh, how different Augusta was from November and just the week in general for you. 
Yeah. I mean, obviously November was different because the grass is, you know, immature. Um, you know, I think there was a lot of water on it, trying to get that to manifest, get the root system going. Uh, you know, Thursday they came out, gosh, I, I bet it was probably several days they had without rain and it was much warmer, um, than it usually is at the masters. So, uh, with that being said, you know, the greens almost felt like a, uh, British open, man. They were rock hard. Even, even on Monday where everybody was kind of looking around going, this is going to be a different <laughs> pastures, you know? So, uh, so it was fun. I mean, it's kind of how you want the course to play. You want it to be firm, fast, where, uh, where you can get creative and really use the slopes and, uh, and you have to really hit a great shot. You know, in November it was soft. The greens were a little slower. It's just, you know, weather permitting, you can't necessarily get the course like it was this year, but, uh, I think the guys that, that play really like it more when it's like this than it was in November. Hey, Teddy, I was talking to Freddie Couples and BJ yesterday in the Pro-Am at the, uh, in Tampa, Black Diamond. And they were talking about how the first day on Thursday that it was right on the edge, but that didn't bother them as much as they thought it was uh, more inconsistency than normal with Augusta as far as the way some of the greens were more receptive than the others uh parts of the greens were more receptive than other parts of the green and some of the speeds were a little bit different and i don't know whether that was true or they're just griping because they you know everybody really had a hard time except for uh uh justin on the first round yeah i think more fred it was uh the greens were so fast that you know it's wind you know you could put downhill into the wind and the ball doesn't roll i don't know if you remember I think it was Sunday, Justin Rose had that chip from over the green on nine. And when he hit his chip, it didn't run down there. And nine was probably the fastest green this week. But if you look at the flag, it was pumping straight in his face. And, you know, usually when you're playing that hole, you're thinking, boy, when it's on that, that first level, you're hoping you don't put it off the green and have to go get your lob wedge and walk third, the 30-yard walk of shame, you know. And he left it something like eight feet short. But it's just, you know, that's the conditions that you get. And uh, it's what makes it fun. I mean, you know, I think, honestly, I don't know if I've ever seen Bubba play better than he played this week and he finished 26. You know, the wind shifts at the wrong time or whatever. We played the 15th hole uh, three over with a birdie, and uh, he never missed a shot on that hole, you know. So it's kind of like it's just the way golf is. And you look at what happened to Hideki on Sunday on that hole. You know, he's 236-yard wow. four-iron missile. You know, I know he has adrenaline, but he's not that long, you know. Yeah. Uh, he just gets the wrong wind gust and before you know it. So, I think it's more griping, you know. Uh, it's just tough, you know. It's a major championship, and uh, Thursday was special. It was, it was like, wow, what a golf course this is. It was so fun. That's something. Did Shotley shot on – I'm right. sorry, Chick. Did uh, Shotley shot on 16? Was that a wind thing? A direction thing? Yeah, you thing? know, the, the wind – it was interesting because when Bubba was standing on that tee, uh, the wind, you're looking at what it's supposed to do, but it, it was, it was pretty gusty on Sunday. And, and you look at that hole and normally on that hole, it's not as bad, but I felt like Sunday, it was like, man, this could go over the green or not get to the front. You know, it just, the wind was just turning constantly. And, uh, Bubba actually chipped a seven iron, which we've never hit a seven iron that I can ever remember on that hole, you know, in the history of oh. caddying there. And we chipped a seven wow. iron and it almost went in, hit it to like a foot. But, you know, in my mind, I was thinking, man, this could fly the green, you know. And then you look at what happened to Xander on his uh, on his his second shot that he hit into that hole. He pretty much airmailed right. the green, you know, because you're thinking, oh, maybe I, maybe it's got hurt and we didn't play for it. Then you play for the hurt and you get help. 
So it was just, um, you know, very difficult to judge the wind. And, you know, as a, as a player yourself, Fred, and been there many times, you know, playing in the big moment, you recognize that these guys don't always hit a bad shot, you know, whenever we think they do. And I really don't think that Xander hit a bad shot. You know, he might have pulled it a hair, but it's just one of those things where, you know, the wind gusts. I mean, it, the wind could have even shifted around, swirled around and pushed his ball towards the water. You, you just don't know. It's the game that we play. So, uh, you know, I just felt like it was so difficult to pick clubs. I mean, Bubba, I think, shot even on Sunday. And it was looking back like, man, I don't know, you know, half the time. One example was on 14 on Sunday. We had 140 to get over the ridge. And the, the flag is about being knocked over straight downwind. And he hits his 135 club up in the air and it lands, you know, 138 and rolls back off the front on 14. So now we're like, okay, we get to 17. We got 140 to carry the bunker, the same yardage. And we're like, okay, now the wind's down off the right. So obviously gap wedge wasn't enough. So let's hit our pitching wedge. So he hits a little chip pitching wedge, one hops it over the back, you know, almost on 18 key box. And you're just like, I can't win, you know? So, you know, he had two amazing shots that would have, you would think like, you know, both of them were right on this target, could have had great birdie opportunities. We had to scramble for par on one and scramble for bogey on another. So it, it's just what makes that course so exciting on Sunday is the back nine. You know, you can get it going, but you know, you can lose it too. So it's, it's just so fun. I think uh, listeners, viewers wonder what you guys do afterwards. And it's, it's apparent when you, when you finish the job for the day, are you guys going straight in and, and watching the rest of this tournament? What do you do? Oh, absolutely. It's the masters. Yeah. I mean, you grow up watching this as a kid and even the players, man, they, you know, nobody's just packing up and leaving like they might at a normal golf tournament. Everybody's trying to stick around, wait, even, you know, guys going to the airport or walking in, you know, they're staring at their phone, you know, no way, you know, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's exciting. You know, who wants to miss the master Sunday? It's such a fun tournament, you know, it, it, the week got started. The week got started with, uh, this, the, uh, honorary tee, the ceremony tee off. And I noticed, and I'm not sure if you talked to Bubba about this or not, but I noticed that, uh, and we know that Bubba's an emotional guy, but when the ovation took place for Lee Elder, there was Bubba and, and sitting, standing next to Phil and Bubba was, was, uh, peered up. Um, I don't, you know, I've, on background, I worked down there in Augusta for three years at the CBS station. So when I was there, I had Gene Sarazen, and Byron Nelson and, uh, Sam Sneed as the ceremonial tees. And I would literally, as I told Fred last week, I would lay on my stomach on the first tee and put my head in my hands and watch these guys tee off, even though I wasn't going to be on the air till noon. I'm like, uh, -uh I'm not missing that. Um, did, did Bubba talk about the, the ceremony at all? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, he was excited to go down there and watch and, uh, you know, it was a really special moment. You know, Mr. Elder obviously has been through some tough things in his life and, uh, things that Bubba's probably never going to go through. will never understand. But, you know, when you see that someone's been through that and you go down and, and see the great things that they've done, despite what they've had to go through and then to be honored at Augusta on the first tee, uh, is special for anyone. And so, uh, you know, Bubba, he cries in a good movie and, and cries in a good man. And, you know, so he's definitely an emotional guy, as we know. But, uh, but you know, he's just got a heart for people. He loves people. And and truly, I think that was a moment that moved him as well. You know, he, he was, you know, telling me a little bit about it. And, and uh, you know, it was pretty special to be able to, to go stand on the first tee and then watch, you know, someone who's who's been a great icon, really, in the game to so many uh, to be able to, uh, be, be a part of that and participate in that, you know, it's, it's special, you know. 
really is a special time that that first tea ceremony and and the, the whole master's week but i gotta talk about the shot when uh bubba hit that shot out of the trees on 10 to win you gotta bring that up because that that was i think the finest greatest all-time ridiculous shot i've ever seen and uh i just don't know how even he pulled that one off that was amazing well, Fred, you know, I caddied for you, so you know that was all me. I mean, obviously, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. Honest, bro. Hey, you told yeah. him how to do it. You said you Absolutely. could do it. Absolutely. I was right? like, listen, <laughs> what you want to do is you want to shut the face down about 42.6 degrees, and you want to have about four degrees of shackling. Your pass got to be 18 left. No, uh, yeah. Um, you know, but it's interesting because years before that, my dad was walking uh, at the Zurich Classic, and Bubba said, tell your dad to come in the ropes. We're in a practice round. So my dad comes inside the ropes and, you know, my dad's like a kid in a candy store inside the ropes. And the first thing he says to Bubba is, Ted tells me you can hit a big old, big old hook. Can you do that? And Bubba goes, sure. He goes, give me a ball, you know? So I literally take a ball out of the bag. Bubba just grabs a pitching wedge out in the middle of the fairway at the Zurich Classic and just hits the nastiest big giant rope hook you've ever seen on the middle of the green, you know? And my dad was just for like two or three years, he's like, I can't believe that shot. This is crazy. Somebody could do that with a pitching wedge. Oh my God, I've watched golf my whole life, you know? So I think that the fact that I'd seen that shot many times, whether it's playing with Bubba for fun or him just messing around in the driving range or saying, watch this, you know, just in a practice round just to mm-hmm. cut up. Uh, when we got to the situation, the ball was above his feet. We had an opening, you know, he can hook it enough. Now, obviously the pressure of the situation, you never know what's going to happen with that. And also you know, you guys are really good, but you don't always stripe it down the, you know, next to the pin from 165 under pressure when you don't have anything in the way. So, you know, we never knew what was going to happen, but, uh, but really the situation is what made the shot so incredible. Um, more the pressure of it, because as, as you know, um, from the very first week you ever played with Bubba, uh, you and Cal talk about the eighth hole at, at, uh, Wiley, and, you know, you guys, the pin was over on the right shelf and y'all are hitting Seven it over tall. here. Amazing. Seventh hole yeah. Yeah. Seventh and Bubba's yeah. and Bubba's starting it, barely missing some tree that y'all didn't even know was on the course. And then uh hooking it around, <laughs> landing it on the top shelf and spinning it down to the to the right shelf and going, Who is this guy? You know, is this first tournament or whatever on the PJ tour? So I think if you've seen him play enough, you know that that's very possible. But the situation makes it really incredible. And I always compare it to when Tiger Woods made this, made the putt to tie Bob May to get into a playoff or made the putt to tie right. Rocco, it's like, yeah, he made a great putt, but I mean, it's the situation that just goes, how does he do that under that situation? And I think for me, seeing Bubba do that a bunch, it's more the situation that freaks me mm-hmm. out than him actually being able to hit that kind of a golf shot. So you've caddied for a number of years and for other guys. Um, and I've heard Bubba talk about it. Um, and, and, you know, I, I can't compare myself to Bubba, but I'm a left-handed golfer, and I also don't see straight. I don't ever see a shot straight. So how different was it for you, that adjustment of uh, he doesn't hit a ball straight normally. Um, it's, you know, he just, he likes to work it, whatever. Um, how difficult or, or not difficult was it for you to adjust to seeing the way that your guy sees it? Yeah, well, Freddie's played enough golf with me to know that I can't hit it straight. I see straight, so it was actually okay. quite an easy adjustment. Um, no, you know what's what's funny about Bubba is I remember in the early in the early years of caddying for him, he hated when I would say this putt is straight. He's like, "Come on, give me something," uh, you know, like left center, right center, something. So he just really despised hitting it straight back then. Um, he can hit it straight, but yeah, he definitely doesn't see it as well. 
Um, the biggest thing chick to adjust above is, you know, when I started catting for him was, uh, how much distance the curves add. So like a little curve, a lot of curve really, you know, adds and subtracts a lot of distance and his ability to really take some off or really add some, a funny story as we were playing at the, the Chevron tournament, um, you know, at Sherwood when Tiger had his tournament out there and, you know, we played Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And if you've ever played, played, I think this whole 14 out there, it's a part three over water. They use the same tee box. I mean, they might move the 15 guys in the field or whatever. They might move the tee, you know, two yards or something, same tee box, same distance. It's over water and over the greens dead. So all you're trying to do is hit it the distance. You're not trying to, you don't care about left and right. Just get the distance, right? Well, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we hit an eight iron. Sunday, we get up, and it's L.A., so the forecast is exactly the same. Same wind, you know, there's a chance of a cloud. Nothing's changed. The environment's all the same. And he goes, what do you think about a nine iron? I'm like, well, six days in a row, we've hit this green with an eight iron, and we got the same conditions and the same distance. Like, I don't – I'm not sure what we're talking about here. And he goes, I don't know. I'm just feeling like hooking a nine iron. I was like, buddy, look, I'm going to be over here. Here's, you know, six eight irons. So you can adjust off of this stuff, but I'm going to be watching over here. Just let me know how it goes, bro. And he hit a nine iron right in the middle of the green. So the hardest part about, you know, adjusting to Bubba Watson's game is that he just has the ability to do things that you just don't necessarily know how to calculate. It's just like he gets a feeling of I'm going to hit a big hook and add 20 yards to this club. And you're thinking no chance. And he does it, you know, still to this day, sometimes it'll be like take his lob wedge out, which he rarely hits over 100. And sometimes will be 120s. Like I'm thinking about lob wedge and I'm, I'm like, it's 63 degrees. How are we going to hit a lob wedge 120? And I'm like, okay. And then I'm thinking this is in the water. This is spinning off the green. And it a lot of times goes too far. So just has that rare capability that, uh, that can make it difficult to choose a club, you know? I think I want to start curving the ball. I need some extra yardage somehow. I got to I'll teach you my dip and flip, Fred. It, that thing goes so far left and he gets out there, man. It'll, it'll run into the woods a long ways, bro. Well, I've seen you hit it. You're all, you're unbelievable how far you can hit it and your talent. And actually what you're doing now, you're teaching a lot of kids at home and, and, uh, I know you could be a sports psychologist if you wanted to. You could be anything you really wanted to be. You're amazing. Obviously, you can dance because I've sent, shown that video to everybody <laughs> that you sent me. My gosh. I just showed it to Chick. And it's amazing. <laughs> Good moves. Good moves. Thanks, bro. I, I, I might dislocate my hip doing that, but that's fine. <laughs> hey, Teddy, tell the story uh, with the Grant Waite story because that's really a classic. Yeah. So, uh, so I turned pro in 99 to teach golf and, uh, and a friend of mine gave me some money to play on the mini tours because I was playing really well at the time. So I said, all right, if I'm going to do that, I need to start practicing. So I started waiting tables at night and I was practicing every day and the web.com tournament comes through my hometown every year. So I tried to do the Monday qualifier. I had 102 fever. I wouldn't have made it anyway, oh. but I did the Monday qualifier. I had a fever pre COVID folks. So just relax. Um, and, uh, so anyway, <laughs> I didn't make it. I called out to the golf course and said, Hey, you know, if you, if you want to get better at something, you get around people that are better than you. What better way than to go caddy for people, you know, for guys that are doing something that I'm trying to do. So called out there. They said, Hey, go find a caddy master. I don't know what a caddy master is. I grew up at a public course. So I'm wandering around aimlessly looking for this mysterious caddy master person. Finally, a buddy of mine drives by in a golf cart. I go, Hey man, uh, do you know where the caddy master is? And Kenley said, why do you want to caddy this week? I go, yeah. He goes, well, here, meet Grant Waite. He happened to have Grant Waite in the golf cart with him. So Grant goes, uh, you know, perfect. Look, I'm, I'll give you 500 bucks for the week. I'm like 500 for the week. I'm, I'm waiting tables, making like 150. Cause I think right. I'm waiting tables, you know? <laughs> so, uh, 
So he's like, and then I'll give you five, seven, 10. He explained that to me. I'm like, man, this is, this is sweet. You know? So he goes, let me just go change my shoes and we'll go play the front nine. And I said, Oh, I can't caddy today. <laughs> and he's like, you can't caddy today. I just hired you. You know, it's like, I said, well, I got, I got a fever, man. I'll be ready Thursday though. I can start Thursday. <laughs> he's like, what? So any other player would have fired me. You knew you would think, right. Try to find somebody else. But I guess times are desperate on the web.com back then. So he ended up finding someone to get, to, to go ca- carry his clubs on the front nine. And so I came out Wednesday, watched him putt a little bit, went back home. Thursday rolls around, never seen the guy hit a golf ball. He's warming up. I mean, he's just smashing him straight, bombing him. Like, wow, this guy's good. So we're going, walking over to the tent tee. We put the bag down. They're about to announce us. He says, hey, Ted, what's it to carry that bunker? And he's never seen the back nine. I said, it's a two iron. And Grant goes, okay, it might be a two iron for you, but I don't know how far you hit a two iron. I said, okay, that's fair enough. So I'm just kind of, you know, staring off into the abyss. And he goes, Ted, I go, yeah, what's up? He goes, how far is it to carry that bunker? I said, oh, uh, it's about 200. And Grant Way goes, about 200. Okay, Ted, how far is it to carry that bunker in your yardage book? I said, I don't have a yardage book. To which his eyeballs got about this big. He goes, you don't have a yardage book. You got to get a yardage book. I said, where do I even get a yardage book? You're the pro. I thought you'd have the yardage book. He's like, you got to go to the pro shop. So I run to the pro shop. My friend happened to work in there. He throws a yardage book at me. I sprint back. It's like 300 yards round trip. I'm <laughs> breathing hard. I know how to read a yardage book because I'm playing pro golf. I open it up. I'm like, okay, it's 203 to cover the bunker. And Grant Wade pulls out a two iron. I'm like, what, what, is, what am I even doing here, guy? <laughs> like, are you serious? I told you it was a two iron. So he proceeds to birdie the first hole. I'm like, okay, here we go, baby. Get to the next hole. He hits it about five feet. Missing. That's all right. That's okay, bro. You're striping it. Next hole, birdie. So we're 200 through three. Now we're approaching a hole called Gator's Jaw. That's the nickname of the hole. Uh, that's the actual name of the hole. But it's known on the web.com at the time because it's the highest scoring par four every year on the web.com. So Grant Waite says, what's this hole? I said, this is the highest scoring par four on the web.com every year. It's water. And then, man, wait till you see this green. It got a three putt. It's there. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, oh, man, you asked me what this hole was. I'm trying to explain it to you. He goes, listen, man, no hole's hard if you execute. Every hole's hard if you don't. I'm like, how's that go? No hole's what? That's what I'm here for. <laughs> so I'm trying to write. He's like, Ted. I'm like, oh, what's up, man? He goes, what do you want me to do here? I said, oh, uh, you want to hit it on that mound out there? He's like, with what, driver? I said, no, that's too much for you. So he hits three wood. It lands on this mound, and he hits an eight iron to a foot. I'm like, who is this guy? So now we're three under through four. We go to the next hole, par five. He hits driver, five iron, 12 feet, and makes it for eagle. Five under five <laughs> with a missed five-foot uh, birdie putt. So on the way to the next tee box, I went and got my cell phone out the bag, and I looked around. I made a quick phone call to my girlfriend at the time, now my wife. I said, hey, Melanie, question for you what's 10% of 90,000 because uh, everybody gets <laughs> so little did I know that it's a marathon, not a sprint, but anyway, I had a lot to learn. Um, Grant was incredible to me that whole week. I mean, he, he was so good to me that uh, he was even helping me with my swing, you know, knowing I was trying to play mini tours. So the end of the week, Grant says, Hey, be there an hour before the tea time on Sunday. I've never been on time a day in my life. I'm always late, you know, so I'm like, I'm going to get there an hour, 10 minutes early, chick. I'm like, I'm going to be, this guy's been so good to me. I'm going to be there early. You know, man, it's going to be awesome. So I show up an hour and 10 minutes early. And there's a friend of mine that's always been early and he's bragging on me. You're late. You're late. But he's always telling me I'm late. Right. I'm like, Cameron, I am not late. He goes, dude, last night was daylight savings time. I was like, I'm late. So I was there <laughs> 10 minutes before his time on Sunday. 
So, uh, yeah, it was an interesting first week. And uh, somehow Grant was so desperate, he asked me to go the next week up in Shreveport and caddy for him again. So, poor guy, he was he was digging at the bottom of the barrel trying to get trying to get a caddy. How'd you end up with Bubba? So, uh, I, you know, between, as you remember, between Grant uh, and Bubba, I worked for Paul Azinger for three years. And yep. um, when Paul and I split, Bubba split with his caddy. And Ben Crane, we both knew from the PGA Tour Bible study. Bubba and I hadn't crossed paths, but we knew each other from that. And uh, he set us up on a blind date, so to speak, a two-week trial run. And just to kind of see, you know, if we would get along and how we'd do together. And we finished 11th and 12th in the first two weeks and got the gig. So it worked out. You know, uh, it did work out big time. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. And we, you know, and we get a front row seat to that because of how golf is now covered. You know, the microphones are there. You hear everything. You know, infamously, he's. We've heard Bubba come at you sometimes, and and he said, it, "I was wrong. I was. The, you know, I'm not." I, I, he's been very open lately this past year and said, "I wasn't the nicest guy. And I don't want to be that guy." But you know, you're hearing the you're hearing on the mic. You know, dude, that wasn't that yardage. Blah blah blah. And you're like, you, for, for folks who don't know Ted Scott, you're like you feel for Ted Scott. You're like, Oh, come on. Really? Dude, you hit the shot, you know? Oh, come on. So what was that like? Um, and what is that like to go through, um, in front of the, the golfing nation, um, to, to be called out when you, you know, it's not your bad. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's a, it's a great question, chick. And I get that question often, but you know, I think it's uh and Fred could tell you it's a, it's a very high stressful thing to play golf in front of people, you know, um, golf, you know, like when you're playing with your buddies in the club championship, and all of a sudden you're coming down the last hole and three carts show up, you start going, Oh no, you know, imagine it with millions of people or or cameras or as you're walking to the, to the next hole, there's a camera in your face, you know? So it's very mm-hmm. stressful um, for the player, you know, first for the player. And it's also stressful for the caddy because a lot of times when the player maybe is not feeling, you know, having a little doubt, they're looking for you for comfort. So the difficult part of a uh, golf period is just living your life in the spotlight. You know, that that's one. So what I do is I say, okay, imagine when you're stressed out in traffic or you're stressed out at home and you do something that you really don't like. And your family kind of was like, man, that was kind of a jerk move. Dad, you yelled at me. You know, I really didn't deserve it. You know, you're bringing your work home or whatever. You know, we all do that kind of stuff, but most of the time people don't get to view it on a national stage. So mm-hmm. I just look at it as, Hey, you know, Bubba made a mistake, but he's my family. He's my friend. You know, we're best buds. And you know what? I'm not going to turn my back on my wife or my kids. And hopefully they won't turn their back on me when I make a mistake. So I just look at it as, hey, you know, just give grace. We talk about it. Let's iron it out. Let's be men. Let's communicate. And and the world is going to judge you, you know, based on the way you look, based on what you did. Oh, Xander choked. He hit it in the water. No, he didn't. You know, it's golf. You, you hit great shots that go in the water. Sometimes you hit bad shots that go in the hole. You know, I'm aiming over here and I pull it and it goes for a hole in one. And, and, and golf is that way and life is that way. So I just try to keep a good attitude and learn from it. Sure. It was difficult, more difficult for me because I care about Bubba and I know Bubba. And I, I have a saying, you know, when people come up and say, ah, you know, Bubba this or Bubba that, I say, well, you really don't know people until you know people. And so until mm-hmm. you actually know Bubba, you don't know Bubba. So you can form your opinion and that's your, you're, you're entitled to that, but you really don't know the man. And Fred knows the man, you know, Fred spent time with him and, and pretty much I've had many, many, many people come up to me that once they get to know Bubba go, man, what a great guy. I can't believe what a great guy he is, man. He's so sweet, so sweet spirited. But when you watch somebody in a stressful environment, maybe they don't handle certain things well. And you go, oh, that guy's a this and he's a that. So I just try to give grace. You know, it didn't mean it was easy, but I just said, hey, man, let's just get through it. And, you know, fortunately, 
we've been able to work through it and we're still together 15 years and we have a great time together. So, you know, I'm blessed to, to have the job and, and to call him a friend. Well, I know one thing you do a great job and your personality is probably, I would think of all the people I know caddy and you're the one guy that is the perfect match. If it was made in heaven for Bubba to have you on his bag, because you're the calming influence. You, you bring a lot to it in your expertise and you know how you developed as a caddy, but as a person is amazing. Uh, but it's still like you're saying, it's it, you get in those stressful times and you got to get by it. I mean, sometimes I usually don't ever blame my caddy because I'm the one hitting the golf ball, but there's still times when the caddy might make a mistake and, and it can cost you, you know, one shot at there's a big difference or two shots. And, uh, it, yeah. depending on where you are on the leaderboard, if you're on the leaderboard and, uh, it's, it's amazing. So it's stressful for everybody, but that was a great question, chick and a better answer. <laughs> it was, it was really, <laughs> that was really good. Thanks, Freddie. <laughs> So what do you got coming? Give me um. What well, playing? Coming? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're uh, we're playing the Zurich for sure. I think we're going to play Tampa and Charlotte. I'm not 100 percent sure on those, but I believe that's the schedule coming coming up. Okay. Give me the give me the uh, a couple of years ago, maybe two years ago at East Lake, we saw Paul Casey's caddy give him the wrong yardage, and he flew the green, and the look on their faces was spectacular <laughs> because Paul looked up and went, "Huh," and then you saw his caddy just go. Oh, angles. <laughs> um, so give me, give me your worst story of, oh, of something similar to Do that. I have a good one. So we were, we were playing the Genesis open and Bubba's, you know, kind of pretty far back on Sunday, but he's making a run and he's now like in third place, you know, kind of teeing off early. Uh, you know, we get to the back nine and, and, uh, we get to, um, uh, we get to, what is it? 14, hole 14, the part three. And, um, you know, I give him the yards or whatever. And I mean, he's like I said, third place and, he hits this unbelievable chip cut six iron, as he calls it. I mean, it's just the slopes right here. It's going to land on that slope and it's just going to go right to the pin, baby. And I'm like, Oh baby, here we go. Second place. And it just <laughs> never touches the short grass. It just flies the world. And he looks down, he looks at me and goes, is that right? I go, obviously not. I'm like, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm like, I don't get it. I looked again and I can't figure out what's the deal is. Well, what happened was they had a car, like this whole display that they had, had this, you know, the hole in one car and flowers and everything. And, and they had moved that entire display up, up a whole tee box. So I was just going off the back of the tee and I'm like, Oh my gosh, did they move this whole car? You know, it's brutal. Right. So now we get up there. And of course, when you give the wrong yards, it's never like an easy chip. It's always like the worst thing ever. Right. <laughs> so we get up there and it looked like somebody just stepped on his ball. I'm like, Oh my God, this is, if he could chip this within 15 feet, he's doing something, you know? And he hits these crazy chip to like 15 feet. I'm like, okay, dear God, please. If there's ever a time this guy makes a putt, please let it be now. You know? And he drains it. I'm like, thank you, God. Thank you. <laughs> and then he, he tripled the next hole. That was on him. That wasn't my fault. So, uh, so yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely his fault. But uh, Daddy, that I was one, so I, one of my few. <laughs> uh, I was playing uh, Des Moines. And we're playing just a pro-am, but they did the same thing. They moved the tee down from the normal box for the spectator mounds or uh, gallery tent uh, on the 17th hole. And I got there and I just took my caddy guy, gave me the yardage and the pin was in the, in the middle of the green. And I hit this eight iron. I literally laid the sod over it, took one hop, went in the hole. And I just going, 
how did that go in the hole? My caddy goes, I was 20 yards off. <laughs> the, the tent screwed him up. So we, you just didn't know. When was yeah, it was hilarious. That's so funny. Oh, my God. Um, what is it like? He's a two-time Masters champion. You guys are two-time Masters champions. Um, to walk the grounds there, um, you know, with the swagger and all of it. What is that like once you got that first one and to be on those grounds, coming back as uh, guys who've who've done it? Yeah, you know, Chick, it's a it's a little bit awkward, you know, just to think about. Wow, man, we actually won here. You know, um, it's it's so surreal because you know myself. Um, I started playing golf when I was seven, just ba- mainly on holidays. We would, we would drive to my grandfather's in Alexandria and spend the week with them. And every Easter, you know, we sat down as a family and, uh, and the men, you know, we, we sat down and watched my dad, my uncle, my grandfather, myself, we watched, you know, the, the golf tournament, the, the master's championship. So, uh, just to start caddying in it to me, it was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm caddying in it. And then to win it the first time, you know, it was just strange. Like, I can't believe this actually happened. And, I love Bubba's quote, you know, I never got that far in my dreams, you know, uh, in his, in his closing speech or whatever. So I think that was a huge, uh, you know, huge moment, obviously for both of us just to, to win. And, uh, and then to go back and do it the second time, you're just like, did that really happen? You know, it's a strange thing again. Um, you know, I, I think certain people are crazy driven and they have this goal in their mind, you know, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, they're just so like from a little kid, they're like, I'm going to win majors. I'm going to win a bunch of majors. And of course I was supposed to win. I think, you know, Bubba's goal was to play on the PGA Tour, maybe get a win. And he's just such a talented guy wow. to, to get two majors, just kind of shocking. And, uh, you know, I, I'm probably a little bit that same type of personality, you know, just thankful to be on the tour. And then to get wins, it's like, whoa, that's, that was cool, you know. And then to get another one, like, oh, my gosh, we won that thing twice. Um, you know, and I really think Bubba could win it again. I mean, this week, if, uh, if, if the wind shifts a little different, we make a few putts, I think we're in contention. You know, it's probably the best I've seen him play. Uh, at Augusta, wow. maybe even better than in 12 and 14, but that's what oh. golf gives you. You know, uh, you can hit great shots and you don't get rewarded. So, you know, it's fun to go back. It brings him alive. And it's just, it's a special place. Like I said, because I, you know, I have the memories, my own childhood memories of sitting there with family, watching the greats of the game, play this course and, and compete. So to be a, a part of that is special. I would watch and I would cry if Jack didn't win. Um, that's what I, I was rooting for Jack down the stretch. And if he didn't win, I'm like, I'd cry. Just like I cried when my football team didn't win. And my mom would be like, what are you doing? I'm like, Jack's not going to win. He, goes, he can't win everything. I'm like, oh, pretty close. Um, Champions dinner. What do you do on champions dinner night? Uh, I'm sure you saw what Austin put out. Austin, John, uh, yeah. <laughs> Austin Johnson put out on a piece of paper. I want to just want to read the menu for the you caddy do. champions dinner real quick. The pre-round app is nature Valley granola bar at the turn entree gourmet hot dogs. Uh, their sides are green banana or peanut butter crackers. You must choose only one. And the dessert is BYOB, served in honor of Mr. AJ. So that's it was a, it's a it was a very funny uh, turn to the champions dinner. What do you do on champions dinner night? What do you where are you at? Yeah, it's it's funny, Chick. Um, AJ and I talked that day. We said we should start a caddy dinner. You know, so that's kind of where the seed got planted. And and for those that don't know, AJ is probably the funniest dude on tour. He's super witty. Really, I mean, very hilarious. So uh, so yeah, we're thinking about next year getting together with some of the the caddies that have won. Nice. Maybe you know, having some fun and doing that kind of stuff, just cutting up. But, uh, but you know, Fred knows for me, I, I enjoy the game of golf and it's kind of a release for me to be outside. I'm not a real sit inside type of guy. I like to 
right. to go and, and just, you know, get outside and enjoy nature. So for me, I'll go, I'll go hit balls in the afternoon, you know, during that week. I mean, it's Augusta week, like, right. You look in the, in the, in the gallery and there, there's all the patrons swinging their umbrella or, you know, you know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of, you get inspired to, to be better at the game. So I'll go, I'll go hit balls or go try to play golf and stuff like that. Um, you know, that's typically what I'll do this year. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was laying in bed for like 24 hours. The allergies killed me this year. I don't usually get them, but boy, this year it was the first, the first half I was struggling. So <laughs> there was some serious pollen out there. Hey, what did, what do you think the feeling is among, or how do you think, everything's reacting to Hideki. I know Japan is rocking. Uh, he's oh, going to be yeah. a national hero there, but uh, I don't know him as a person. I hear he's a great guy, kind of quiet, uh, but um, also heard he speaks perfect English and you don't, <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Fred, um, you know, Bubba and I have been fortunate to go to Japan a few times and play uh, and play over there. And it's one of my favorite countries, it's definitely in my top three uh, places I've been, the people are just so sweet. You know, I, I laugh because you can't even go walk through a doorway over there. If someone's near you because they know after you no, after you no, after you no, after you, it's like, listen, man, you please just go. You know, they're just so nice. It's like, they can't figure out who's going to walk through the door first. They're so respectful. And another funny story, we were playing with Rio Ishikawa and they had an elevated green and Bubba had like a 125 yard shot and he hit it right at the pin. You know, we couldn't really see it land because the green's elevated. And all of a sudden, you know, the fans over there is like, I don't know, probably like a hundred people follow us and they went, yeah. And then it stopped. And we were like, well, that's kind of a different cheer. <laughs> like, I'm not sure what, what was that? And Rio goes, Rio comes over and gives us a high five. We're like, what, what happened? He goes, you made it. And I was like, well, I made it. He's like, yeah, I went in. And so there, there's like, they got excited and they're like, Oh, not too much. You know, let's, let's keep it reserved. So <laughs> it's a very reserved culture. You know, we were like, uh, okay. And we got it there and sure enough, it was in the hole. So, I love the Japanese culture, the food, the people. They're so sweet. And Hideki honestly is that. I mean, the guy is the sweetest pie. He's so nice. There's not a time that guy walks by and he doesn't say, hello, Ted, and go like this. You know, I'm just like, if you don't like Hideki Matsuyama, you don't like people because it's just as good as it gets. So I think it's uh, very exciting that he won for that reason, just because he's such a great guy. But also, uh, there's probably not a place in the world that loves golf more than Japan. I mean, those people love their golf. And so what a great thing for them, especially being an Olympic year, uh, you know, just, just a great story for the storyline for them to have the master's champion, you know, going to be playing in the Olympics at home. I mean, just, wow. I just got chills thinking about it, you know, as cool as that country is. So I'm excited. I heard for when, I heard when he, uh, I didn't see it, uh, but at the cer- before the ceremony, I think it was uh, when they were walking off 18, he turned around to the golf course and bowed to the golf course. And yeah, that was his caddy. Shoda. Shoda was the one that caddied, yeah. Shoda, Shoda had taken the flag off, and when he went, he put the pin in, and he turned and he, and he you know, he bowed. And it's just, like I said, it's just a culture of respect. You know, uh, older older guys with gray hair like myself, you know, man, oh, you go over there and people are like, oh, I need to listen to what this guy has to say. And, you know, wow. And so it's a, it's a really cool thing. There, there's a lot of things about Japan that, that really, you know, I think the world could incorporate uh, the respect for elders, the respect for others you know, taking a back seat to people. It's a, it's a really cool environment. Um, and I think that just shows, you know, like the, the whole bowing to the course, like, you know, Hey, thank you for the opportunity to be here at Augusta. It's just like, you know, that's, that's who they are. It's people, you know, it's just really fun. Speaking of the opportunity to be there, how different uh, has it been to have 
fans slash patrons back on a golf course. Um, uh, I, you know, I call golf on PGA tour radio and you know, I, you're, you're, I get carried on by the crowd. You know, the, the call is much easier when there's a crowd reaction, but this past year, I mean, it's just dead silent other than the smack of the ball. And somebody's just saying a caddy or a player going nice shot. There's nothing. There was nothing. Now that the fans are, are coming back, how different is it? And um, I'm, I know it's much better. Yeah. You know, um, Bubba has a healthy anxiety of, of crowds uh, here mm-hmm. crowd. So when it, when it first, the pandemic was first announced, I was actually staying with Fred at the players championship. Uh, when that first happened, you know, I was like, wow, you know, what's going to happen like everybody. And then we when golf started back up without fans. I thought, okay, we'll, we'll start at colonial and Bubba doesn't usually play colonial. It's not, you know, a course that's sort, sort of horses for courses. And he finished mm-hmm. fourth in the first week back and he hadn't played any golf. I mean, I think he took like 46 days off or something and showed up a week before and tried to get it, find his game finished fourth with no fans, I thought, man, we're going to win every week because there's no crowds. I mean, <laughs> Bubba's worst finish on the mini tours was third. So I thought, okay, we're going to win every golf tournament. Uh, but come to find out, you know, he likes being nervous too. He likes, you know, I, I think all these guys play better when there is crowds and there is that energy and you get that adrenaline and you and it helps you focus. So even though some people don't like it, uh, I think it is good for you, and that's kind of what makes these guys so good. And really, there's no better example of that than the Ryder Cup. I mean, that's probably as nervous as you'll ever be. And the stuff that people do in the Ryder Cup is just, you're just ridiculous. Like the golf you see, you're like, this, you can't even play this good of golf, you know. But I think the nerves just heighten that. So I really think it's better for golfers and it's better for fans because the golf is going to be better. And, of course, it's more exciting. Red? Oh, hey. <laughs> it, no, it, really is with, it is with the crowds i was going to add before uh, chick asked that question i've been to japan numerous times and it's my favorite place i've been uh the city staying in downtown tokyo is the cleanest city i've ever seen i can't imagine anything cleaner than that place there's not even the truck tire tread that comes off on the highway if it one comes off somebody comes right behind them and gets it up off the highway uh no graffiti the people are so respectful and and like you're saying the food and i have a kind of an analogy that i feel like it's so safe for an analogy using uh, a female by her safe self at two in the morning is safe walking around that city it's uh, it's an amazing place um it, it, the beauty of it too it's a uh, gorgeous place you get out where the golf courses are and they're amazing uh but mo- a lot of the people this the sad part of it is that most people will never get on a golf course in japan they they'll <laughs> hit they'll hit on the ranges their whole life and but they'll never have a chance to get on a golf course and uh that, that's kind of tough it's it seems like it would be very difficult for guys that get to that level of hideki and Royo and and uh, Shigeki and you know all those guys that have gotten to the top Jumbo and all those guys a lot of those came from a lot of money and maybe that's how they did get there they had the opportunity but um, I think the game is just going to as much as it is popular in Japan right now it's going to explode Hey Freddie Chick I got a funny story for you real quick you remember when Bubba and Steve Elkington had a tiff in New Orleans Yes Okay. Yep. that was awesome so we were playing with Damn ball. Yeah, we were playing with Shigeki Mariyama, okay? And the the whole two first two rounds, you know, like talking to him and we're just having normal English conversation, right? Well, next thing you know, we're in the rules tit and you know, the rules officials trying to figure out like what are y'all fussing about? He's trying to get in the middle of it, you know, and 
elk saying this and Bubba saying this and they're arguing or whatever. And finally the rules officials like, you know, maybe I'll get a third opinion. So he looks over at Shigeki goes, what do you think Shigeki? Like, what do you think happened? And she goes, Oh, too much English. <laughs> he, totally played, he totally played the card that he didn't speak English. I'm like, you dirty dog, you lying sucker. You don't want to get in the middle of this. But I'll be honest, I would have done the same thing if I had that opportunity. I'd be like, ah, no English. Yeah. <laughs> so That's so I love that. And when so, it was so good. When something, when something like that happens or, you know, somebody in the crowd gets a little too, uh, too boisterous, uh, what, what is your role? What do you, what do you, I mean, how do you calm your guy down or, or, or steer him away from all of that BS? Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I'm a very emotional person myself, so I'm, I'm easily fired up. Um, and so I, I understand Bubba first of all, because I've got, you know, even though I'm happy 99.9% of the time, I got a very short fuse and a short tolerance for stupidity sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, there's been a few times where I've gotten fired up and he's had to calm me down. And there's been times <laughs> where it's affected him in a negative way and the times where it fires him up. So, what I've learned is you just have to let him get fired up and then calm him down. When I get fired up, it's more of a distraction to him, you know? So, uh, so I've had to learn that over the years. And, you know, I think all of us need to learn to control our emotions. Um, you know, it's a, it's a hard thing to do. Like I said, we're under stress. We're trying to do our best and you're being judged, you know, whether you're, whether your you know, score is good or not. And sometimes you can be doing great and it just ball won't go in the hole. And sometimes you can be hitting a chunky one and make a hole in one, you know, and that's the game that we play. So, it's tough to live in that environment and that stress brings emotions. And so learning to control your emotions is really a great way to be an inspiration to other people, to be an example to other people to say, wow, how's that guy do it? He's so he's under so much stress, but he handles it so well. And so I think that's where Bubba's always wanted to be a role model since I first met him and just trying to remind him like, Hey man, if you want to be a role model, let's work on this. And he's continuing to show progress in his emotions and his spirit and, and really, you know, be that example that he wants to be. So, you know, that's, that's all we try to do is just learn from our mistakes and move on, you know? Any last thing there, Fred? No, just, uh, it's just fun having Teddy on the show and hearing all his perspective and stuff, his insight. And he's so funny. He's just such a great personality. And, and Teddy, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I know you're busy at home. You're, uh, teaching. Who are you teaching at home? Yeah. So I only, I only coach from uh, eight to three Monday through Friday. Um, and, and mainly because my kids are in school that time and I, and I don't want to give away any more of my time, you know, when I'm gone, I'm not with my family. So when I'm home, that's it. And then I have a few juniors that I'll coach, you know, uh, that I'll give special time to, but those are, those are usually people that really, uh, they're dedicated, you know, and they're, they're just like a close friend or family. I'm like, yeah, I want to help them out, but I don't open myself up to just, to just coaching at all hours, you know, because my time with my family's most valuable, but, um, but you know, it's usually just adults that want to improve and that can take off of work or maybe own their own business. You know, it's more my passion than it is a, a side gig financially. I just, I just love it. You know, being around guys like Fred Funk for 21 years and learning so much about the game, I have an opportunity to, to be a, a vehicle to pass that knowledge through and hopefully share with other people the things that I've learned and being able to observe. And, you know, I have a motto like, you know, I never want to stop learning. I never want to say, Oh, I know the answer to that. You know, I have I have my experiences and I, and I share that with people. But I sometimes I go back and say, hey, man, I've, I've since learned what I told you is not right. You know, this is actually the right way because new information comes down the pipe or whatever. So, you know, that's kind of how I try to approach it and, and just, uh, you know, share with people as much as I can, because that's what makes life so fun. You know, giving back to people and watching them grow. I mean, I get probably more excitement watching one of my friends win a tournament 
in the second flight, you know, than I do, you know, some of my friends went in on the PGA tour. So it's pretty cool. I think you should write uh, a book. You talk about learning. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. So what would that title be? Hmm. Um, two stroke Teddy. Right, Freddie. Yeah. You want to tell that story? <laughs> uh, I will tell that story. We're, we're playing in Canada. He got a nickname, uh, Teddy two stroke. And he was scouting for Zinger. And I'm in the group with him, and we're playing good. That was Saturday's round, wasn't it? It was Saturday's round. And uh, they had this weird part three, a really severe green. And I had a chip where I had to go totally backwards, run it up the hill, off the green, and let it come back down. And I hit it perfectly, and it comes up, and it's rolling down. It's barely getting to the hole. Teddy reaches over and pulls the flag out after the ball already passed the hole. If I remember right, the ball already went back right. to the hole and he yeah, pulls like the flag out and we finished the round and, and Mike Shea, one of our officials comes to Zinger and says, Hey, uh, we got an issue. Uh, you got to come to the video here and we got to look at this. They identified who pulled the flag out by his shoes because they were showing the ball <laughs> and said, well, that was your caddy. You're assessed two shot penalty, knowing that that rule was going to change the next year, but that year it was still in effect. Oh. Zinger went, crazy he and he should have he was just so upset and he was playing really good he hadn't played that good in a long time and uh he was in contention he slapped him too and i think he didn't play well on sunday he was still mad on sunday and and uh so he had this uh that nickname then he gets bubba and now he's called teddy two jackets (laughs) i love it i think the second one is much better a lot better <laughs> a lot of it. well listen um we do appreciate your time and as i said you know you talk about learning every day i know that bubba has been open here in the last few years uh and if you could pass along the message that folks are hearing him when you talk about anxiety and and stuff that's going on inside the brain um for those who are affected the same way they are hearing what bubba's saying so please let him know that his message is getting across to folks who who need to hear that they're okay um Ted Scott, man, can't thank you enough for your time after a busy week in Augusta and now you're back home and getting your stuff done and, and being with your family. That's the most important thing. But we uh, I really appreciate it. Fred knows you really well, but uh, to get to meet you via Zoom uh, and on this podcast, just can't thank you enough for your time, man. Yeah, thanks a lot, fellas. I appreciate the offer myself. Thanks, Teddy. All right, that's Ted Scott. Appreciate it, man. All right, that's Ted Scott, caddy for Bubba Watson. We'll finish up here, Fred Funk. Um, so... We're as we left. Uh, Ted's great. Ted is phenomenal. Um, you know, and most caddies are—they're just characters, right? Yeah. They're characters in the game, um, and you, you don't find a. In my dealings with the caddies, I haven't found a really a straight-laced caddy who is no nonsense. There's, you know, there, there's something quirky about them in some form or fashion. I think the fluff Cowan, who was Tiger's caddy early on, fluff is from where I live, um, and I see him. He's played my course. Uh, he'll be in a cart driving by and I'll see that bushy mustache and go fluff what's going on and you know we sit down and talk for a few minutes and um they're just a they're a different I think they're a different breed I I I, mean, I would love to have caddied back in the day not for you um but love to have caddied back in the day just because of uh just because of but uh, the one thing with yeah Teddy, no no that's the one thing with Teddy though is his perspective on life too he's such a great mm-hmm. genuine guy and his knowledge of the game now he's always had a lot of knowledge but um uh, as he's taking in all this input, he's had all this experiences that he's experienced on the tour, uh, caddying and all the situations he's been in. 
and his values that he holds uh, dear to him with his family and time and uh, the respect for the game and the respect for uh, Bubba. He's a wonderful guy. I wish everybody was more like that because it'd be a better world. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. But uh, he, he's a lot of fun and and you're right. A lot of caddies have um, there are, there are characters in their own way. I think it's the way they keep their sanity out there on the road. It's, Mm -hmm. it's hard being on the road out there and, and you're, you know, you got to be there and they, they're probably the best waiters in the waiting game of the player says, I'm going to be there at nine o'clock. I'll meet you at nine. And they show up at 1130. And, uh, it's like, what the hell, where were you? Well, I was busy. Right. And then, well, it's your job to be here. You know, you don't even, and I'm guilty of that a little bit. I try Mm -hmm. to be very punctual, but, uh, you know, they uh, end up in the fitness trailer or somewhere and and the caddy's already there. But the one thing I do do a little different, I, I don't like, I don't need a caddy to hover over me when I'm on the range practice and I like being by myself. So when I'm really, when I'm really thinking and focusing on what I'm working on, I'll go as far away from people as I can and just, just really veg out and, and hit balls. And then when I'm not working on things and I'm planting myself right next to the funniest guy, so I can laugh right. and talk and hit, hit one ball every, uh, eight sentences <laughs> you know yeah you're, you're like you're you so you and couples you and couples are the same because i mean if, if they say if freddie hits more than eight balls on a, on a range then he must be working on something because he's just just a chatterbox uh yeah Fre- well freddie does it because i don't think he really wants to practice he'll just go out there and kill time <laughs> you know i i do hit a lot of balls or at least i used to and it just matter whether i'm really focused or not uh and trying to get right. something out of it Last thing, um, the, it, being a caddy is a job, um, and it's an important job for the caddy. It's an important job for the player. Um, and while we watch on TV and look at these relationships and you know the way that the uh, golf is covered now, you see some uh, some really cool moments. But it is a job, and you know, rare is the time that you have your caddy for your entire playing career. So walk me through you've, you've had how many caddies in your, in your career and that moment when you decide or you both decide mutually, you know, it's better that we part. How difficult is that to do? Because they are your friends. Yeah. I, I had some great relationships with a lot of caddies, obviously Mark, number one that uh, played for me at Maryland, Mark long known as Seve cause he could impersonate Seve better than Seve did himself. Uh, he, he's amazing, but he's a great caddy and, uh, and currently probably the most respected guy in the, in that world because he does the yardage books and it's, uh, very important for those things to be right. It'd be, if they ever find an mm. error in there, it's like, it, it's going viral. Uh, Mark screwed right. up, you know, and it, and no, he didn't. He, well, he might've screwed up a little bit, but you know, uh, he's an amazing <laughs> guy. And I had another guy that was my best friend's roommate at Maryland Van Silver, who's caddying for me now. Um, and I had another guy, Pablo, uh, he, he was phenomenal. Uh, but I, the day I let him go, I, I, I still regret it. I kind of went off a short fuse, but I was, <laughs> I'll tell this story real quick if I can. So right. I go to the, Houston, yeah. I go to the Houston open and, uh, at the Woodlands, uh, regular tour event and around every gas station, hotel, they had these lifestyles cut out photos of different players. And I walked into the hotel at the, um, it doesn't matter which one it was. And they had a life-size poster of David Duvall. 
And okay. I knew I, I just got the pairings and I was paired with them. I said, oh, man, I got to take that. I got it. So I asked the front desk, says, hey, can I, I'll bring it back, but can I take that thing for a day? And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm carrying David Duvall out. I'm putting him into my car and I'm laying him over the top seat. So, it, so it's hard cardboard. So I couldn't bend it or anything. And I was paired with him the first day, first two days. And I put it underneath the tent, uh, the scorer's tent. And we're right when I arrived, so I'm trying to carry this thing, and nobody noticed that I'm carrying a, a poster of David's. So I'm kind of sneaking around. It was kind of hard to do. And so I finally get to the tee, and I bought a pair of Oakleys. So when David was a par five, and we had to wait for the guys to clear, and it was perfect. So we're all standing around. We already got our scorecards. We got our ball. We identified the balls. I go back, and I get the poster, and I planted it right next to David, and I'm standing I got the poster between me and David and all the spectators, there's a couple hundred people there at the tee and they're laughing their ass off. I put the Oakley's on and David's like, what? And he turns and he does a double take and he sees himself and it just went perfect. He just, he just started laughing. David never laughed on it. And he was laughing. He said, that's pretty good. That was a good one. So we play number one, we get the number two and, I should have hit an eight iron and I buried a nine iron right into the underneath the lip of the bunker. And Pablo was really um, soft spoken, really quiet. And I'm walking up there and I just saw the ball buried and I went, shit, I, I should have hit a, I should have hit an eight. You were right. Nine. He says, well, if you just stop effing around on the first tee and concentrate on what you're doing, this wouldn't happen. I go, what? Oh. He says, you're always screwing around and you're doing stuff. And I said, what did that have to do 20 minutes ago to this shot right here? Well, you're always saying, right. I said, tell you what, when we're done this week, you're fired. And he said, yeah, wow. So we got done that week and we, he was fired. And I'd surprised he stayed all four days, but he still were really, really yeah. good friends. And, and he was a phenomenal caddy. He had a great saying. He always said, you know, that friend, he's never been long. He's never going to be long. He's just got to get used to it. <laughs> oh, he was from southern texas south texas and he was just he, he's a great guy i love pablo but i did fire him that's over very that. cool we never worked again so that's amazing yeah like remain friends which is the most important thing oh yeah that is absolutely. the most important thing yeah. so that's yeah that's uh well don't fire me on the podcast that's all i'm gonna say right now i haven't i've been giving you a bad yardage uh, and i haven't uh, no, i like you to have fun you're the pro here you're the pro. I'm the caddy. Oh. I'm the caddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, breaking news. Uh, all right. Cool, man. Well, that was a, a great conversation with Ted Scott. Um, uh, we got the RBC Heritage next week. Uh, we'll gather again and see who can, uh, who, you know, a lot of these guys in the master's field go over there because it's a short drive. Um, and it's always interesting to see who comes out the winner there because the fatigue factor has to play a part. Uh, just because you've just finished a major at at, at, at Augusta National, uh, it's different. It's, it is different, but it's different in a really good way because when you go into Hilton Head, it's such a beautiful island. It's so laid back. The golf course is, I think, phenomenal. Uh, a lot of guys love the golf course, so it's like a decompression week. You go out there right. and you just kind of have fun, and you get yourself in contention, then maybe the nerves start firing back. Obviously, they will. And you start focusing a little more, but it seems like you, you play that, that. It's like a breath of fresh air that next week. You just go out there and say, ah, mm -hmm. this is great. I can just go, yeah. go play, enjoy the scenery and enjoy the golf course and, and just try to play well. 
And uh, I always loved Hilton Head following Augusta when I was in there. I, I loved Hilton yeah. Head anyway, but um, I think everybody to a man, they're, they're on the range and everybody's just having a great time. And the, the guys that have played the week before, they don't act tired. They just feel like uh, now, it, and the most of them bring their families. So they're with their kids and, right. and their wives are with them. So they're really having a relaxed week. So it's a great week for all the guys at Hilton Head this week. Remind me next week because I would go there uh, right after the Masters uh, as part of my uh, television down in Augusta. I would go the next week and I'll tell the story of how I should not be here today. I should probably be dead after a trip to Hilton Head. Okay. So nice tease for next week. All right. Um, and I am not kidding. So remind me if uh, if my CTE doesn't kick in and I forget myself. Um, our thanks to Ted Scott. Longtime caddy for Bubba Watson. Great stories, great uh, perspective. Um, let's get out of here. Freddie, I'll see you next week uh, at the RBC Heritage. You got it. Thanks, Chick. That's Terps on the key. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.